You are listening to the City Church Pastors Podcast. This is episode number 153. Hello, hello, and thank you for listening to this week's Pastors Podcast. Uh, my name is Joel, and I'm here with Corey. Greetings. Nate. What up? And our church planting resident, Jason. Howdy. So we just sent a team over to West Africa to see our um, global partner over there in West Africa. And uh, Corey and Jason both had the opportunity to go with that team, to lead that team. So this week's podcast is just an update. We're going to talk about uh, what they were doing, stories, uh, di- different stories that, that happened while they were there. So let's just kick it off. If somebody, you, I'm sure you've answered this question a million times since you've gotten back, but just how was the trip? What happened? Can we maybe just say our our partner in West Africa is someone we've worked with for a long time. Totally. He works in translating the scriptures. There's not a church in his people group. His kind of dream amb- and dream and ambition is to see a local church for the very first time in that uh, nomadic tribe. And so that's why we partner with him uh, and have for a good amount of time and, and have a great relationship mm-hmm. with him. So this is just kind of a small piece of a mm-hmm. bigger storyline, Yeah, uh, if you're not familiar. Yeah. And I met him in 2003, so we had a longer relationship. The church has been partnering with him. And you met him while you were spending time in yes. West Africa, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yep. Uh, and so we have been partnering with him since 2013, uh, I guess. So give you just a little more background there. So, yeah. uh, so overview of the trip. Yeah, Your please. question was, how did the trip go? I think... My answer would say would be it depends on on which part of the trip you're talking <laughs> about, you know, in the sense that uh, there are elements and we'll get into some of these things. There are elements of things that you experience and see there that make you very excited. Uh, there are elements that you experience and see there that make you amazed at what God is doing. There are elements that you experience and see there that make you question where God is at. So, Jason, this was your first time meeting our partner because when he visited with us last year, you had yet to move here. Uh, and so, like, what, how would you, like, your perspective on, on kind, of, kind of summing up the trip uh, in, in that way? Yeah, sure. So, I think it initially just um, uh, it's very in your face when you go to a place like West Africa. Just, I mean, it's an overwhelming sensory experience. I've traveled um, around the world before, but this, uh, just even the sights, the smells, everything is just kind of um, crazy. So just, you know, from a personal experience, it's like stark contrast to our American culture and the things that we expect to be normal. But from just uh, from the standpoint of our partner and all of those things, I had never met him, like you said. And so I was was nothing but encouraged by what I saw there, both from him, just meeting him, and he is just a, a genuine, like, godly man, and it's just so incredible to see the work that he's doing, and so the first thought I had is just, wow, this is, not that I didn't trust that it would be an excellent mm-hmm. partnership, but I mean, this guy is worth every amount of effort, resources that, that we can send his way because he's just doing very important, very difficult work in a very difficult place. And so that's exciting to me. Um, and just, uh, yeah, meeting, seeing the work that he's doing firsthand and experiencing that was was very helpful to me. And then the other side of it is just I really appreciated the, I guess, patience and the just faithfulness that it takes to do the work that he's doing. I mean, he's been working on translating the scriptures and even coming up with a written language for this particular people group for over 20 years now. And just, um, he's made great progress. But when you think about all of the time it's taken and just the 
the amount of time he's had to spend there, the the patience that it takes to develop relationships and build relationships and just, you know, every single day to be faithfully serving the Lord there um, was just even inspiring to me mm-hmm. as a person who is, Lord willing, going to be planting a church, another location of City Church that just, you know, to, to learn from his example of just, um, just that faithfulness and the, the dedication that it takes. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just came away just... Uh, really thankful for um, the opportunity we have to partner with someone like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the most, uh, can I go back yeah, to answering your first question? I'll, I'll unpa- <laughs> un- unpack it a little more. Let's <laughs> make your job easy. Uh, one of the most exciting things that that we saw was the distribution of, of the book of, of Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our partner has translated several Old Testament books a few years ago. The first New Testament book was translated the Gospel of Luke. After that was the book of Acts. And then just finished Romans, and that was printed, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago. And so I think this was the first time he kind of began distributing it. And we worked, uh, we did kind of a day clinic in an encampment uh, about an hour outside the capital city. And he had brought some of the copies of Romans, and and some of the, the guys there were very inquisitive about it, answer, asking a lot of questions, and just being able to see him sit down with with uh, with a guy who was asking lots of questions, asking him to read it to him, uh, and like what, a summary of what the the book is about, and just hearing him unpack, you know, in his language, you know, things that I know this man has never heard before mm-hmm. uh, for the first yeah. time, and really doesn't even have a concept for for how to understand them. Didn't have access to. Yeah, didn't Could have heard ac- it if he ac- wanted to. Yeah, right. access to them, and and just being able to. Uh, to witness that and see that, that those are the things where you are, you're just humbled and by the fact that, you know, that one, God is allowing us mm. to be a part of this mm. and to see literally history being made and, and written. So again, you just think about the English language, you go back, you know, to, to Wycliffe's time uh, and, and to where, you know, for the first time people are hearing God's word mm. mm-hmm. articulated in their native tongue. And just think, oh, wow, how amazing would it have been to, to see that or be there? Right. And for us, it's like we get to be a part of that for, for the history of this people. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, just when you think about the history of the global church, I can't think of many things that would supersede being a, being a part of. You yeah. know? So that's you, pretty exciting. Just for the sense of scale, like, do you know how many copies they print? 500. 500. Yes, 500, yeah. yeah. And they've yeah. used... Didn't they do, use the translation of Jonah like as a school textbook? Because it yeah, was one of the few things written right. in that mm-hmm. language. Yeah, and and so that was where 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 our partner is is a little bit of ways for security reasons from where the majority of of his people are, but where the majority of his people are in West Africa, they do you know they've gotten permission from the government to teach literacy in their in their heart language, and so they do use Jonah as kind of the textbook. Mm. Because there are no other written materials yeah. and stuff. And so we actually Amazing. got to meet one of our partner's uncles who has memorized the book of Jonah. Uh, again, not a Christian, uh, but he memorized the book of Jonah. And I believe he also memorized the book of Ruth. Uh, and so just, again, very people, look, this, these are the first written materials in their language. And so just imagine speaking a language that had zero written materials and all of a sudden things were beginning to be produced, how excited you would be mm. uh, and how you would treasure those things. And, and so the fact that these things are being printed and produced, produced 
creates a lot of respect for our partner, mm. uh, even as a Christian uh, in a in a very Muslim context. Uh, the fact that this is happening is a way of saying, "Wow, this guy really loves us, and and he's really doing." They recognize the insignificance and the importance of this happening for their people. So, mm-hmm. it's a do you know what they're translating next? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I feel mm-hmm. like I've had that conversation, and uh, I can't remember. I, I initially think maybe the Gospel of Matthew is my first thought, but I can't say that definitively. But so. but our partner has been very specific in the, in the order of how he's done things. Right, he started with Genesis, yeah. right, and it's, it's and been, the reason the Old Testament books were done first because again, in a Muslim context, you're you're building credibility to where mm-hmm. a lot of the 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 people in the uh, the Hebrew Bible are going to be the, the similar to the Quran. Uh, a lot of the stories are going to be similar to some. The Bible is much more uh, specific and a lot more detail. But people like Adam and Eve, Abraham, uh, Isaac, you know, those are, are names that are going to be familiar to, mm-hmm. to Muslims. And so mm-hmm. when you're having a story, uh, the creation story, you know, that the response of these people, they read it and like, wow, you know, this is these are a lot more details than the Quran offers. This is really exciting. It was immediate acceptance of this being authoritative and from God. So right. it creates a cool storyline too. Like I've heard stories from Wycliffe translators that they go through it from the creation story on. And this is the first time people are hearing it unfold. And so they're ending the prophets and people are like vocalizing, like this can't be it. Like something has right. to happen. Mm. Like they need a resolution to the story, which mm. is so yeah. cool. So cool. Uh, yeah. I'm just curious, like you said that, he, our partner is able to build credibility like no one else is loving in this way. I guess for me personally, I have such a just kind of gut reaction against colonialism or like us as Westerners asserting ourselves. Could you maybe walk through some of the ways that our partner is loving his community, ways that we maybe even on this trip, like mm-hmm. how the trip was built to come alongside what he's doing and not yeah. like mm-hmm. dictate what he's doing right. or say that we know best. Uh, but more to just get behind behind him in ways that maybe compared yeah. to other kind of mm-hmm. uh, religions or worldviews <laughs> right, like are yeah. not doing that yeah, at all exactly, with, yeah. with them. Yeah. Uh, you, you, yeah, I, well, I was just, I don't know if it fits. Was every, yeah, every, every, eat that microphone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if every category you mentioned was this, if this example fits, but one of the just very practical ways I saw this um, happen is that we had a lot of medication that we had to buy um, when we got there in order to to do the, the clinic that we were doing and, and to give them some supplies to be able to use. And so there is a, a certain pharmacy that our partner has been building a relationship with for a very long time. And so so um, this was, we, when we purchased the medicines at this particular um, pharmacy, I mean, that was a windfall day for this person. And just the fact that, you know, he was able to do that. She actually called him later and thanked him that she, well, I forget what she said, you filled my, filled my filled register, my register or, something. or something like that. Because like, of how big of a sale but, it was. Yes, because oh, in okay. the fact that he has someone that he's building a relationship with, and that's just, that's just a, a very practical example of, um, that, that he's he's loving people well and building relationships. Um, no connection to her being a Christian or anything. Yeah. But it was just. Uh, but I'm sure there's other things. Yeah. So I can unpack a little bit. Even a side note on that is even the intentionality of we intentionally buy the medicine there and right. not bring it in. So they, we that it's we're using helping with things that can be 
gotten locally. Uh, it, and people, they have those resources within, within their community. In the capital city, so that, yes. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. When you get out, it's, it's a little harder to, to get access to some of those things. Our partner is going to do this with or without us. Uh, so he was doing these things before we came along. Uh, and, you know, he is part of this people group. You know, his, I mean, this is who he is. This is his identity, his ethnicity. Um, and he is as competent of a missiologist as I've ever met. I mean, he has... What's a missiologist? You stu- and you studied missiology. Yes, yeah. So, like, when yeah. you define it, which is yeah. good. <laughs> right. Like, you are, in a lot of ways, an expert in this field, and you're saying... He I've is, never yeah. met somebody yeah, more intelligent than his yes, partner. Yeah, like he, he, this was, he, he went to school, this, he went to seminary, he's been trained as a Bible translator, he studied six months of Hebrew in Israel. Uh, so this is a sharp guy. Uh, What's a missiologist? Oh, a missiologist, <laughs> they are someone who studies uh, mission. <laughs> their, their expertise is uh, things like church planning and translation and taking the gospel into new cultural context, uh, think things That's like great. that. So uh, he, he is extremely competent theologically, mm-hmm. uh, his knowledge of scripture, cultural awareness, and things like contextualization. What does it mean to see the gospel take root in, a, in an culturally appropriate way with his people? Uh, so he, he, he's excellent at that. And so one of the ways that we try to support that is that when we go... We do what he says. Like he is the lead out. You know, I'm not telling him uh, what to do or this. We should do this. Uh, he decides when we come. Um, you know, in all honesty, August would. You know, it's hot and sticky there. It's rainy season. I would love to go in January when it's cool, uh, but he says August is the best time for him and his schedule. So that's when we go. Uh, we we go in August. Um, we the medical training that that we do like the clinic that we did like we have provided a help provide a scholarship to um people who are part of this people group to go to nursing school for three to four years with the agreement that they would go back into their local areas so they move to the capital not necessarily move they will come back and forth oh, like okay. they like one guy there has family and kids that are in another country and he comes in to go to school and then goes back out hmm. uh so he kind of he stays with his brother temporarily there brilliant guy if this is a guy if he was in the states he would be scholarshiped into the best medical schools in the country just his intuition on medicine and healthcare is frankly phenomenal and amazing uh so we go to clinics he's the one leading everything you know, and uh, Liz Lake, who has been on four different trips and has really led our efforts in helping provide uh, the training and stuff, uh, healthcare training. She does a great job of, he takes the lead. She's there just kind of behind the scenes to help in whatever ways he may need. But he's the one talking to the people. He's the one talking to the mm-hmm. kids. If there's new kind of tools or something we've been able to bring and help train him in, uh, Liz would train him, and then he does it with with the, with the people and stuff. So we're kind of very much behind the scenes, visiting, encouraging. Uh, so again, recognizing that uh, that the gospel will not take root if it's seen as something coming from the West. Mm-hmm. It has to be seen as something that can actually be applied to to the context of these people. So, awesome. yeah, I love that because I mean, you have like the modern missions movement, like William Carey on when people started moving around the world because they believe the gospel is for the nations but we don't live in that world anymore like right. there are 
we're at the tipping point where there are more Christians in the Eastern Hemisphere than the Western, or in the Southern, South of the Equator than North of the Equator. Like if we're going to be globally minded in this way, we have mm-hmm. to come alongside what God is already doing, right. not think that we are the end all be all solution. Like right. that's, that's run its course. And there have been great things to come from the modern missions movement and there have been fallout. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I love this model of how, uh, our global partner sets the agenda and mm-hmm. we come alongside. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's good. No, it's uh, and it's, you know, in the place that we work in, there's been a lot of bad examples or a lot of examples of how that has happened and things have been done poorly. So part of it is even earning our partner's trust, you know, in that, hey, we're not here to dictate and take things over. We're actually here to serve and love you and your people and come alongside of you. So That's good. You You had mentioned in the beginning of the the podcast that there are things to be encouraged by, that you're excited by, seeing the Lord work in, and then there are other things that are discouraging and wondering where the Lord is. Maybe we can just, let's have one more story that that's encouraging something that you saw on the trip that was that was uh, an encouragement it could be something that our team had done just something that you saw um and and then we can move to the other side of it what was what was discouraging that you saw so what's jason what you got yeah so one other thing that pops into mind of things that were encouraging is just how some of the things we've been talking about all flowed together um it was amazing to see how every person and just the way that they're wired and gifted, um, talking about our members that went on the trip, were able to provide something that the trip would have been, you know, not as good if they had not been there. And so the encouragement there is just that everyone has gifts and and talents that the Lord can use. Um, And then to be able to take that into another context is just an incredible opportunity. And so I think one of the things that we would all love to see is that more and more people would take advantage of these opportunities to go and to see. And if the apprehension is ever like, I just, I don't know if I would fit in there or if I could be of help or whatever, um, have that conversation with Corey um, and just, just talk through those things because it really is, it was really encouraging for me to see our members just get there and, and to serve and to love well and how that's received. And it flows right into what we were talking about. No one was there to like assert themselves. Um, they were there just to come alongside our partners and to encourage them specifically um, in the work that they're doing. And, you know, anybody can do that. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Was there, could you, could you give an example of something specific that one of our members did just to have an idea? Yeah. So one of the, the things, um, Jess, who went along, she did something as simple as brought a um, Polaroid camera and cool. one of the, the things that she, yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that that uh, she was able to do is there were a lot of um, kids involved in the clinic and so while they were there waiting for things to happen or when you know maybe they were going to get um, you know their fingers pricked with a needle or something and needed to just calm down she was able to sit down with them and just take pictures of them that she could show them immediately and awesome. they thought that was one of the coolest things it's just her personality mm-hmm. and the way that that played out and the fact that that was her idea and these um, are probably the only pictures that this family has other kids and right. so, so it's not like, well, yeah. I took a picture, like this is a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. And so that ended up just being a, a really cool thing that, that happened that was, you know, that was her idea and just, you know, her personality came out and she was able to love and serve and ended up being very important to keeping the clinic in a, in a manageable place. So <laughs> cool. What were some of the, the more discouraging things that you saw? Yeah, I think maybe the, the one that stands out the most, uh, is that when it, you know part of being there with our partner is just getting you know updates of what's going on where the majority of its people live in an area that has a lot of instability 
political instability, a lot of um, activity with, you know, different elements of fundamentalist uh, Islamic theology that leads into terrorism and things like that. So, so the the region that most of the people are in um, has over the past few years experienced a lot of heartache with that. And uh, in April, end of April, he was telling us a story that there uh, was a situation where 31 uh, people, women and children, some men, uh, had been kind of executed, uh, lined up and executed and then beheaded. And, you know, for no other reason than Satan controls the hearts of some men and women uh, in our world. And unfortunately... Sometimes they have access to a lot of power and weapons and can cause a great deal, a great deal of harm. And it was a man who was actually a part of this group who had converted over into kind of the, the jihadist uh, groups that have been causing so much instability. So you hear situations like that. And, uh, you know, these people live in a part of the world that is already one of the harshest places to live in the world. Uh, there's already so much, you know, it's hard to, you know, sometimes you walk 20 miles just to get water. Uh, you have little access to food, health care, just basic things that, that we take for granted every day. And then you on top of that political instability and, the you know, meaningless execution of, of women and children uh, and then beheading them. You know, it's hard for me to to work through that, to process that. Um this week, uh, when I came home today, Tuesday that we're recording yesterday, my wife asked me to pick out our, our memory verse that we were putting on our little board. And I chose uh, James 5.11, the Lord is compassionate and full. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. And she asked me why. <clears throat> sorry. She asked me why I selected that. <clears throat> and my honest answer was because I needed to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's hard to reconcile uh, the excitement of seeing and hearing a man hear about the gospel in Romans for the first time mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the beauty of that. And yet, <clears throat> also, what seems like such. Uh, meaningless, difficult suffering for people who have suffered so much already. So I think it's in times like that, I don't have answers, but I'd look to uh, who God has made himself known to be in the scriptures and the beauty of the gospel. It's not a God who is uh, unfamiliar with suffering. and God's people throughout history are not, you know, unfamiliar with suffering. And so... uh, you know, the Lord is compassionate and he is merciful. Uh, and sometimes we we want to dictate how that manifests itself on our own terms. Uh, but that's not who God is. And, and so part of trusting him is trusting him that even in the most horrific of stories um, and circumstances, that we, our trust remains in him. And, and just seeing... Uh, our partners trust in him unwavering uh, yeah. through so much darkness and difficulty yeah. uh, that his faith never wavers. You know, yeah. it's personally convicting, uh, personally challenging. So you you leave you leave there with 
lots of mixed emotions and mm. uh, things to be excited about, things to be... So maybe not discouraged is the right word, but just mm. uh, frustrated in the lack of the swift justice of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, justice belongs to the Lord, not to me. So, yeah. Brother, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you can come back and be able to tell that story. It's easy, certainly for me, I imagine for others to hear that there is instability in the area and have just let that just go by and not even think about there are 31 people at one time being beheaded uh, just because they belong to a particular people group and they're in the wrong place. So thank you, brother. As hard as it is to to see that and to labor, uh, to bear the burdens with, with our partner in West Africa, uh, I'm thankful for you, brother. I'm thankful for the relationship you have with him and that you've brought that into this, this church. So if we can end maybe this way with all of that, obviously we've mentioned a number of things already. What are some ways that we can be praying specifically now for them? Yeah, I think two things come to mind specifically. And the first one is just praying the promises of Scripture, that the Word would not return void. Um, our partner is very has to be very wise in how he does his work, uh, or else he wouldn't be alive. Um, and so there is a tremendous amount of dependence upon the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and rightfully, necessarily so, of his philosophy is get people access to the Word and let the Word and the Spirit do its power into its work. And so just praying that that is what, what would happen. Um, and then second, you know, our, 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 our partner is by himself largely in this work. You know, there are only two uh, baptized believers among these people, uh, and he is in large ways alone in this work. So praying that other people would come to faith uh, and that he would, you know, as us, you know, thousands of miles away of knowing how to best exhort him, encourage him, pray for him, that, that he knows he's not alone in this. Uh, I know there are days where he feels, I'm assuming he feels like that. Mm. Um, but what does it mean to love him in, in that way, that, that the Lord would sustain him and his family, his his, his, his boys, he has three teenage boys, um, in health, and and that, that the work would go on. Mm. Um, so mm. the, the work belongs to the Lord. Uh, but also, if something happened to, happened to him, it would it's hard to yeah. <laughs> see how it continues right. Right. Uh, in this lifetime uh, or, or in this generation. So, um, so that requires him being alive and in good health. And, yeah. and the Lord has proven faithful to that thus far, and that He would continue to do it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, brother. And uh, thank you, friends, for listening. As always, if you have any questions that you want to submit here, talked about here on the, on the Pastors Podcast, you can go to the website, citychurchcle.com, and click on the uh, Pastors Podcast section. You can also uh, get to that through the app that we have. We will, at some point in the near future, take all of those questions, and we'll do a, a podcast on those questions. So, as always, thanks for listening. Have a great week.